Hello, friends. Welcome back to an episode of Be Here for a While. I'm your host, Rachel O'Brien, and also, happy Halloween week. I have planned a very specific podcast for you guys that is very Halloween-themed, and I'm very, very excited to share it with you guys. I recorded with my guest earlier today. He is the host of a podcast called Euphemet, which basically is a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. And the second part of that sentence is the most important because he interviews people that have had paranormal ghost experiences or people that, honestly, that believe that they are vampires and drink human blood and weird stuff like that and how that affects their daily life. It really, truly is so fascinating to me. Like, I've always been fascinated by paranormal, true crime. I mean, last week we had, I had uh, Carrie Martin on, who is the host of the podcast, White Wine, True Crime. I mean, a lot of people are into this stuff, but it's, he's such a great guest. He's also a fellow um, Oregonian and just a sweet guy who is curious. He's on the, I mean, on a mission to figure out what's out there. And he tells some crazy stories, crazy stories of people who, have seen ghosts who had imaginary friends as kids who are trying to jump into vortexes who think they are vampires and it's I don't know I I think it's just a great Halloween themed episode and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it so without further ado my guest Jim Perry I'm so excited to hear about what you see what you do how you got into this like how did, okay, explain, okay, explain what your podcast is about and explain how you got into the search for the unknown and. Yeah, I mean, Euphemet is a show about the unknown, the unexplained, the anomalous, and our relationship to it. Mm-hmm. And the second part of that is essentially the most important. It's these things that we can't explain. How are we dealing with this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of crazy shit that goes down in folks' life that we internalize a lot of times or we don't give a second thought or sometimes or you just think people are crazy right i just met someone actually at um my boyfriend's friend's birthday party who is like obsessed with like alien stuff but i was like everyone just thinks he's crazy but i was talking to him and i was like he he might just know something we don't know like i don't think he's crazy (laughs) like but people just write him off like oh that's him he's weird yeah and 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 to me who's who are we to say? Yeah. Right? And so, you know, those those things happen. Sometimes they're minimal. Other times these things change people's lives. Mm-hmm. Completely transform their viewpoint of themselves, their yeah. identity in this world and what this world even is. And so those are the stories that I'm tracking down. I'm uh-huh. finding individuals where uh, these events that have happened in the shadows of the night have done something to them and transformed their lives. Yeah, this stuff like it can really transform people's lives. I, I have a my my grandpa actually, he is one of the most normal people in the world. Doesn't drink, never never has done drugs or anything. So he's not crazy. He's like one of the most calm, normal people in the world. And I remember when we were little, he had told me about he had like an alien experience. Yeah. And I remember when I was younger, just being like, "That's weird," kind of like making fun of him a little bit. Right. And then now when he retells the story to me as an adult, I'm like, he doesn't, it's, he didn't hallucinate that. Like that was a real experience for him. Like he, so what happened was he, he doesn't fly. Um, 
now because of this, I think, but he, I don't know why he was on a long road trip anyways, but he basically like saw like a beam of light in front of his car and then he lost a certain amount of days. Like he just like just, and then, but came back in the same spot, but lost a certain amount of time. And he, there's this whole thing where he thinks he has a chip in his leg. It sounds crazy, but he really is one of the most normal people in the world. Like, he doesn't... I don't know. It's yeah, like, outside of that situation, those stories, yeah. there's nothing that suggests this guy is off his rocker. Yeah. Right. And that's that's not... And not to discredit your grandfather, mm-hmm. but it's not unique yeah. in the sense that so many folks have those type of experiences that they can't explain that lead to maybe even a questioning about what's really going on. Yeah. I mean, having a chip in your leg i mean are you you know like those sort of things where it's like well no i know i'm not crazy but i feel like i have a thing after i lost these days of time and everything else like that's some uh, substantial anecdotal evidence yeah you know uh and and so i i think that's the most interesting part of doing this show is being on that periphery Mm -hmm. of 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 uh, sort of remembering Mm -hmm. these stories for folks who have had them how do you find most of these people do they reach out to you or do you just do research and and how, yeah, how do you find the people that you do the stories on? I, I would love it if I found more people f- by them reaching out. To really? Me. At this point, well, I haven't experienced Give that. your email out. I, I, <laughs> reach out to Jim. Yeah, I know. Reach out to Jim right now. Yeah, J- Jim at euphemet.com. Just email me. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. They come from a, a lot of different sources. Uh, the, some of them now are referrals. Mm-hmm. Some of them are I'll meet someone and it's like, hey, what do you think? And they have a good grasp of what the show is about, and they'll be able to be like, hey, you should hear my friend's story, yeah. or you should hear this or not. And a lot of it is just figuring out sort of phenomenon that is interesting me at the moment mm-hmm. and digging into that to see if there's personal anecdotes. Is it mostly paranormal, like mostly ghost stuff? or You know, it, it's, it's, it's all across the board. You mm-hmm. know, we've covered everything from mysticism, shamanism, um, you know, we've covered ghosts, of course. We've covered uh, questions about the d- simulation theory of reality. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, folks attempting to jump into vortex. We've had things revolving around Sasquatch communication. So really... Sa- wait, sorry, what? Sasquatch yeah. communication? Wait, has someone <laughs> yes. communicated with the yes. Sasquatch? There's a... Uh, perhaps... Do you believe that? I don't know. Okay, so... This is the this is the this is the big statement. Like I don't know what I believe anymore. Yeah. Like this show has challenged me in so many ways. Have you seen anything yourself? I have. Okay, you gotta tell me about that. I want to hear some good ghost stories because it's it's Halloween week. Yeah. And yeah. I and I planned this to be the big Halloween episode. Let me tell you about the first premonition I ever saw. Okay. The first ghostly figure. It was it was last month. Really? Yeah. And you go searching for this stuff, but they didn't they didn't show themselves to you beforehand? No, you know, it's 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 funny. It's it's a uh, I do believe it's a phenomenon that when you engage with it, it more often than not tries to engage back, perhaps. I so, think so too. Yeah, yeah. But I also think when people try too hard, then they don't like my friend Stasi, who also has a podcast, she is like obsessed with ghosts and stuff, but she's never seen anything because she's like I think she's like too into it. So yeah. they're just like, uh eh. Well, how many, you know, I know a lot of UFO researchers that have mm-hmm. never seen a UFO before. Yeah. Never sort of, you know, and there's ghost researchers that have never seen anything at all. And so, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's perhaps choosy and or random or who knows. But essentially, I never expected that I'd see anything. Okay. And in fact, 
I I tell everybody that my friends and I discuss this a lot, one foot in, one foot out, uh-huh. um, especially during the production of the show. Uh, I'm essentially there as a vehicle for the listener and for whatever that story is. Mm-hmm. And so in a situation where I saw this premonition, I didn't even tell the people I was with when it happened or even afterwards. Really? Because I didn't want my experience that felt s- sort of pretty monumental uh-huh. to to infect the story. And in fact, we haven't we haven't cut together this episode yet. And I don't even know if that all have a place in it. Just okay, because well, I don't where know were you? So imagine yourself in rural West Virginia. Okay. You're essentially in the haulers of West Virginia in coal country, a dilapidated main street that has seen a lot of plight. Okay. Uh, a couple burned out buildings, um, a lot of boarded up windows, and a lot of really poor folk just mm-hmm. trying to figure figure things out. We're there with a guy named Wesley, and Wesley has had experiences with what others would probably classify as imaginary friends when he was a kid. Okay. These imaginary friends were very instrumental in instructing him about the ways of the world, essentially. His mentor, this imaginary friend, perhaps, uh, I believe his name is Poe, he was a Native American man who showed him sort of how to track down animals what you can eat in the forest and what you can't. Here's different languages that you can speak. And essentially passed on all this information that when confronted (laughs) with um, questions by his parents and everything else, hey, I I was told by Poe, what had happened is that they couldn't understand how he was getting all of this information. And it was very real knowledge. Like he actually knew how to track animals and stuff. Right. Yeah. So we were there covering that story, Uh covering his relationship. When you say imaginary friend, it is a ghost, probably? I mean, maybe. Or a, I don't know, a spirit guide, an ascended master, a premonition, a, uh, who knows, channeling or something? Or he's just really smart or something? Creative, and he just like, yeah, creative, and he just got, I don't know, okay. You know? Uh, right. who, who knows, you know? Um, but so we're covering that story in his relationship, and it's a, it's a very moving story. And what he discovers and finds with the help of this guide is is alarming and chilling. But essentially we cover that in the show that's going to be upcoming. Dang, I want to hear what there, was alarming and chilling. I can't, I can't explain Fine, that. You gotta but listen to, to it. me, listen to what it. was alarming and chilling was the location that we were recording this in. Okay. We're standing in a three-story uh, historic hotel, which has gone through the decades, just decades and decades, of being sort of a coal miner's hotel and a brothel and uh, you know th- serving in different functions mm-hmm. and you walk through this place and essentially uh, imagine the set of any sort of horror movie for mm-hmm. an abandoned haunted hotel yeah. and that's what we're it at. was abandoned it was abandoned and so you're th- you're talking like uh ripped wallpaper Oof, so you know the remnants of uh steel bed frames you know with a shitty spring sticking out of the out of the mattress and everything and so we're walking through there there's hardly any light it's essentially he goes, do you want to see some of the places that creep me out in here? Okay. And so, okay, yeah, let's let's see these places. Um, my uh, kind of sidekick for the episode is Greg Newkirk. Uh-huh. Uh, he's based in Ohio. Him and his wife run the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult. He drove me down West Virginia to do this. And so he's getting these signals that, that Wesley perhaps has this other ability that he hasn't really expressed. Like a sixth sense or something? Right. Okay. And that because of 
sort of the cultural situation there in West Virginia because of his place in the community that maybe he hasn't been able to be very honest about these experiences that he's having mm-hmm. with anyone because he's not out there. It's not a story that's known, right? He's just a, he's just a guy like yeah. everybody else. So he's taking us through <laughs> the, the darkest hallways you could ever imagine in your life with creaky wooden boards under our oh feet. We're walking down this hallway. Imagine walking down this long hallway, about 20 feet long, and each side of you, a uh, very narrow hallway, uh-huh. are open doors to completely empty, dark hotel rooms. Jesus. So, you know, the, the you, get the, you start experiencing the change of pressure when you walk past the doors. Mm-hmm. There's a slight of a chill in the air that's, like, kind of flowing through, and you feel like you're being watched the entire time. Really? We get to this end of this hallway, experiencing all of that, and he goes, this door is what does it for me. This door, essentially, I feel is almost like, um, almost has some sort of resonance, as in the spirits that I see always come to this door. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. So, so you're visualizing some of these now. So he... He's saying basically he walks down that hallway and every time he sees a spirit, it's like standing at that door. They essentially gravitate that, gravitate to that door. Okay. And at that point, he goes, he looks back down the long, dark hallway that we just came from and says, oh, here comes one now. Just casually like that? Yeah. So we're at this end of this hallway. He starts to describe the features of, you know, a six foot tall man. Uh-huh. Um, wearing almost Western dress, perhaps, coming towards us. Did you see it? No. Couldn't see anything visually at all. Um, oh, my God. Can, I just can't imagine being in a dark hallway, and the guy you're with is like, there's a ghost coming towards us, and you can't see it. Yeah, you know, and at that point, we could have, we weren't completely closed in. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a banister for the stairwell behind us. There was a couple ways to exit. Uh, but w- if we were running the other direction, we were just running into darkness, into other dark yeah. rooms, right? So, you know, imagine yourself just in that position, and he's saying, "It's coming," and you're you're just there. You're, oh you're kind of just you're just kind of in that moment. And so, f- for me, of course, it's it's very hard not to get sort of chills and be activated by mm-hmm. that experience. Uh, so, so Greg and I are standing there. Greg's in the pocket. He's a pro. He's experienced this stuff all the time. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's able to start. Well, Wes, have you ever have you ever talked to these people? Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever engaged with them? And he goes, Well, no, not really. I don't really. Well, ha- do you know what they want? You know, are they wanting something out of this? And he goes, Well, right now he's yelling at me. Right now he's saying that this place is a dump. This place is a mess. Like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, and now there's her. And we're like, what? what? Wait, dude, what do you mean her? And so at that moment. And what, what does his face look like when he's saying this? Is he just calm? Is he just like, yeah. No, he's, he's rattled. Okay. Yeah, he's rattled. There's sweat coming off his forehead. He's having a moment of interaction with something very real that's happening to him. Oh, my God. And at this moment, <laughs> he says, she's, she's coming down the hallway now, and she's yelling at him. Yelling at him or yelling at the ghost? Yelling, ghost? At, okay. yelling at the ghost. He's saying she's coming down and he, and she is yelling at him. And she's not happy with him. And she's coming towards the door. And she's covered in blood. And that's the woman that I usually see in the bathroom 
in a tub full of blood with a dead baby. Oh, my God. So I'm just standing there with a microphone in my hand. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't imagine. What what is this guy's name again? Is Wesley. I can't imagine being Wesley. He just sees this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, these sort of images, this sort of connection with this place, it's been going on for a while. And why is he going back to an abandoned hotel? Him and his father own the building. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they have some storage there, and he has to, you know, they have to go and, of course, like, check to make sure there's not squatters. At one point, they had uh, someone living in the top floor, I think. Uh, There is, like, a a partial residence that is a part of it, and so it's, you know... I wouldn't want to live there. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, you know, it it was whatever I believe, which is, I don't know, uh, it felt charged, for sure. It felt like an environment where... Okay, I'm open to possibilities of things being kind of a little bit more creepy in this Mm -hmm. space. (laughs) So you didn't see the woman either? No. No, I didn't see the woman either. It's such a gruesome visual, too. It's not just like, oh, I saw like a, I don't know, like an orb or something. It's like specifically horrific. It's a a brilliant uh, white dress that's flapping through the window towards him. It's like, no, no, no. She's covered in blood. She's covered in blood. And he sees her in another room in a bathtub. Oh my god. Yeah, so they're at this How point. How do you not go crazy? How do you not like But but then again, we we we've talked on the phone about uh, how we both know Chris Medina and Chris sees stuff all the time. He's never told me he saw something that scary, but like he literally has to in the middle of the night be like, "Yo, I need to sleep." Like to tell ghosts to go away. Yeah. And With and Chris is not crazy. Yeah, Chris no, is a no, brilliant no. like he's a psychic. He just this He's been doing. He's been seeing this stuff since he was a little kid. Yeah, and I think there's a lot. Of, and 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 Chris has done a lot of work. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm friendly with Chris as well, and like he's so pro, and that takes a lot of uh, research and practice and patience and a tutelage mm-hmm. to be able to sort of harness and define mm-hmm. um, what you're seeing and how you're dealing with that. And yeah. for a guy like Wes, he is completely untrained. In yeah. This. So you're right in the sense that. If you let these sort of things um, take you over, I'd imagine, Mm -hmm. and you're in a place where you're not receiving any support in those regards, and you would perhaps be ostracized in your own community Mm -hmm. if you came out in regards to these terms. Yeah. That's that's some pretty high stakes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So you could... You could physically tell that from him while we were there. Mm-hmm. Because whatever this was... Was he nervous to tell you this kind of thing? Because he didn't want it to come... Well, he's telling it on a podcast, though. So obviously felt, people are going to know. For the first time, I think he felt like he was in a safe space mm-hmm. to do it. He was a fan of Euphemet. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, he had already spoken and told some of these stories to Greg. Mm-hmm. And so I think, for th- yeah, for the first time he felt like, okay, well, I can share these stories. I'm not going to be ridiculed or judged. Mm-hmm. We're not going to... They're not going to... Like... Another thing about my show is I never try to disprove anything either. Yeah. Like, it, the, I don't care about that, really. I, w- yeah. I want the story. Yeah. Um, and Your listeners can decide, I guess. If they, they can decide. Yeah. They can decide. And and I want to give, I want to grant them that. Mm-hmm. The, because it, it's stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know about people being experts, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's ideas and notions mm-hmm. that are developed and refined. and But the sense of, of really telling anyone what this reality is mm-hmm. seems like just super foolhardy to me. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of folks that do just feel like they have it figured out. Uh-huh. 
that's certainly not my place. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you, know? you, have, you have no formal training in this. It's just you were interested in this type of world. Decided to start a podcast about it so you mm-hmm. could learn more about it. But there's no, like, you've never, you don't, like, ghost hunt and stuff and do all no. that with all the devices and everything? Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know very much of that. Like, in fact, I don't even, I don't really watch ghost shows. Yeah. Uh, I listen to a lot of paranormal radio, and I have for a long time. But uh-huh. essentially, my training is in production and journalism and creative direction okay. and writing. So, you know, I come from a space where I'm all about story. Mm-hmm. And and less about the artifacts of of how uh, an electronic magnetic voice machine works or whatever. Yeah, you know, um, I I find that that sometimes some of those things are interesting. Mm-hmm. But I also know that for me, if I continue leading with my gut, being empathetic, and trying to connect the dots, empathy is a big one. Yeah, I think that that is how. Uh, well, I. I think I am somewhat of an empath uh, and and very intuitive. My mom is super intuitive, but like not in a way that we don't, we don't like do anything with it. But like, and I have never like, well, I guess I have tried to go see ghosts, but like I have, I've had probably like three experiences in my life and it's like not, it's, it's, I think it's you, I think they come to people that are open. I think that it's like, they kind of just like, I don't know. Yeah. But you didn't. Okay, I, w- I want to hear that. You did not explain if you saw anything. So y- at th- at this point, I hadn't. You hadn't, because I no. want to finish the story. Yeah. At this point, we're standing there in that hallway. These two entities, perhaps mm-hmm. that he's that Wesley is experiencing, experiencing, uh, are interacting with each other now, and they're interacting with him, and so they kind of have like this three-way communication thing going on. They're at this doorway. The man keeps going into the door. He keeps sort of going into the doorway, into the other room. The woman follows him, yells at him, then storms back down the hallway. Uh And it's almost as if they're, he describes it as on some sort of loop. Yet within this loop is sort of different interactions because he's present. Okay. So we're we're experiencing this and and we And they're talking to him. Is he responding? Is he speaking back to them? He is. Yeah, What's at this saying? point he's saying like, "Well, why are you why are you angry? Yeah. You know, um y- y- what do you want?" Well, she's covered what in blood. I mean, I here? think that You're there's a reason yeah. why she's angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she also has a dead baby. I mean, yeah, <laughs> things aren't going great. That's not not yeah. going great in old West Virginia in this day. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> so, you know, we 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 let him sit in that moment for a while and we capture tape of that experience of Greg essentially trying to coach him through sort of what he's experiencing at that moment in time. And, and at, certain, at, at some point I go, okay, let's, let's get out of here. Let's go back under the, you know, the, the lighting of the one soul lamp that's in this room. <laughs> and so we, we, we go into this area, and at this point in time, I'm getting reactions from him. I'm getting, you know, uh, how did that feel? Do uh-huh. you feel like they're listening to you? These sort yeah. of questions to just get some reactionary tape about what he just experienced. Needless to say, all of this experiential stuff was not planned. This was not a part of the episode at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, this was all very on the fly. Uh, we just jumped into this sort of mediumship training course out yeah. of nowhere. So I'm getting his reactions on that, and it's very emotional, and um, he's very grateful for the experience, and, and he's really letting us into a lot of um, personal stuff that has happened to his life. And I'm looking over his shoulder, and over his shoulder is the end of the hallway mm-hmm. and that doorway. Mm-hmm. And I can see the edge of the doorway in the dim light. 
and then sort of a pit of darkness, which is that hallway. He's telling me some very personal things in terms of his relationship with what he just experienced. And emerging from the hallway, at about six feet off the ground. Six feet off the ground? Six feet off the ground. Okay. I see essentially like um, a translucent uh, silhouette of a bust of a man. It was you mean a, a bust head-like of a shape. Uh-huh. Uh, shoulders. Uh-huh. Sort of the chest area, then into nothing. Weird. And this form essentially moved from that hallway into that room in the hallway and then disappeared. So weird. And during that time, I mean, could have had been a reflection from outside. Could it have been... You know what? What you know? Whatever. What? Uh, sure. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But mm, whatever. It sounds whatever that pretty case specific. Was, whatever that case was, it was in the same spot that that whole situation yeah. was was happening in. It was around the same height, sort of build that he was that describing he for the yeah. And it was as ghostly and classic. It was. It was like it was a scene out of a movie. You know what I mean? Like, it was as classic of a ghost sighting that you could imagine in that way. And did you tell Wesley that you saw that? I didn't tell either of them. You didn't? In fact, on the ride home, I didn't even tell Greg about it. Why? I know you said you didn't want to take away from but you weren't even filming at that or recording at because that point. Because I, you know what I discovered is that that situation made me appreciate so much more the people that I feature. Mm-hmm. Because I was ashamed of seeing it. Why? Because... I don't want to Wait, be that Wait, that's guy. interesting. Why 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 are you ashamed? Cuz you don't want you don't you don't want to be the guy that's like telling the crazy ghost stories? Yeah, and I don't want I don't want it to affect my work with the show. You know? Interesting. I, it's so important. I would think it would make you almost more credible cuz you're like, yeah, I've seen I've seen something. Yeah, I think I think probably a lot of people would 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 say that maybe. I yeah. think And that's probably the best way to look at it is that like, yep, this guy's seen some shit. Yeah. You know, he's he's legit. I was, like, excited when I... Not excited, but, like, I felt really validated when I experienced stuff because I've always believed in it. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, it's true. Well, I had, a bit, I, had, I had been a fan of this stuff for a long time mm-hmm. and lived on the periphery of it. And I had experiences when I was a kid. Oh, you uh, did? With, uh, with other people, essentially. And, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. Yeah. That, that opened my mind to a lot of things being a possibility in uh-huh. life, but never sort of direct, full, frontal confrontation yeah or confirmation rather that that yeah things things are a little bit more weird than maybe what we expect but again like i don't i'm very weary of when you see ghost shows and things Mm -hmm. like this and the it's like yep full on in like i've seen all the ghosts you know i've you know yeah like i'm I guess I'm just, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm verbalizing and working this out as we're talking because uh-huh. it's still something I'm. It's unresolved in yeah. me. But the amount of well, it probably that will always be unresolved. Like you can't you can't yeah. prove it. Yeah, right. Just right. like yeah, the 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 most recent experience I have, I just know it in my gut. There was, and I tried to like figure out what oh, there. I'm like, there's got to be other options. That it can't be that. But I'm like, there's no other way to explain it. Like, yeah. you know. There's no way, yeah, you, it's, it's unsolved because you can't. Yeah, it's who's to say, Yeah. you know, but I guess what, 
what I'm working on with the show, and I'm working on it in a very public way, mm-hmm. is what my reactions to things are. Okay. How do I handle my reactions? You know, my friend Tim Rothschild, the shaman, says, you know, one day you're going to have to choose a side yeah. here in this. And I go, I don't know about that. But, you know, I, I, I think there's a there's a bit of that involved. There's a bit of... Um, what I what I'm doing is I've already chose a side yeah. essentially with the work I'm doing. I chose a side because I've decided to highlight and feature these stories of the anomalous uh-huh. in a very authentic way without trying to really discredit or disprove anything. Yeah. Like I'm not really a skeptic. I'm not really a believer. I think like most people I sit somewhere in the mm-hmm. middle. But then when this stuff starts happening and you start seeing ghostly figures and you start talking to haunted statues and you, you know. Haunted statues? Yeah. What's that story? <laughs> also, yes. we have to circle back to what you saw when you were a kid. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so did you see a ghostly figure when you were a kid? No. So what happened in a kid, as a kid? And I, a lot of people have sh- shared this experience. Essentially, my, uh, and I have some new information I'll tell you uh-huh. that I've never told publicly before because I just, I just found out about it. You've heard it here first. Yeah. So. Essentially, it's very typical for me to be sitting on the floor as a child, watching TV, playing with my brother, whatever. My mother uh, getting up or coming into the front room, uh, picking up the phone and mm-hmm. talking to my grandma. Okay. In just that order. No phone ring. Nothing to signify that my grandma was calling. The phone didn't ring? Nope. Okay. My mom would just go to the phone, pick up the phone, and there was my grandma. And they'd start conversing. My mom would always know when my grandma was calling before she'd call. They would be able to pick up the phone. That's cool. At right exactly the right moment and vice versa. I'd be at my grandma's. What? I've never heard of that before. That's cool. So it would happen so routinely that it was just, it was, it was a given, Mm -hmm. you know, if not several times a week, at least once a day, Mm -hmm. this would transpire between the two of them. Uh Uh-huh. And it was consistent, I mean, you know, until my grandma recently passed, it was a consistent thing that would happen. And they had such a close sort of psychic connection, seemingly, mm-hmm. that 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 as an instance alone was like, okay, something, you know, like, you don't hear that yeah. typically I, I've as a ne- kid, I've never right? heard that so before. So you're like, well, yeah, something, something's going on weird here. And then... Did you ever ask them? Did you ever say to your, your oh mom? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, and they're just like, yeah, we just know. You know, we just know. And most recently I found out that um, my my great-grandmother uh-huh. and my great my great aunt on my mother's side uh, were both witches. And they were both Whoa. Na- and they were both Native Americans. I literally just wrote did you see me write? Yeah. I did literally just, just wrote witch? I wrote witchcraft. I was gonna yeah. say, is this something new? That's really yeah. weird. Yeah. Right before you said that. My great aunt, they called her Dirty Gertie, actually. Oh, Dirty Gertie. Dirty she sounds Gertie. like a good time. Yeah. No, she was mean, I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so they were both they were both witches? Yeah, they were both witches. And what does that exactly mean? I don't know. I'm still figuring who, who, it out. Well, who I told you that? Your mom said yeah, that? Yeah, my, my mom my mom just told me this. Um they they classified themselves as white witches, but they were also Native American. This so fascinating. Well, I don't you don't look Native American at all. I know, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the Irish really like came yeah. through with me. <laughs> but um it, it's it's very interesting that I don't know what that means during that time. 
and for them in particular yeah. and how it relates to any mysticism or spirituality through their Native American ancestry or their particular tribe. So right now I'm just starting that quest. Actually, I'm going to go back up there wow. soon. I'm going to go try to retrace some of these steps and figure uh-huh. out what all of this means because if that's a – if I have seen evidence, I think a lot of people have seen evidence that – people that experience a heightened uh, sort of set of phenomenon, perhaps, Mm -hmm. uh, that there is something maybe generationally to that. Mm -hmm. There is something hereditary to some of this, maybe. And maybe that deals with just our uh, chemistry, our body chemistry. I believe that, yeah. You know, so if that's the case, do I get some of this from Dirty Gertie? Uh Do I get some of this from... Maybe (laughs) Dirty Gertie. You got a little Dirty Gertie in you. Right. What what did they do as witches, technically? I have no idea. You have no idea. Yeah, it's it's completely... Right now, it's a completely new story I need to unlock. Yeah. Because I have no idea if if they were involved in ritualism. Uh Uh-huh. And if so, what, what, what was it? I do know that I was shared that when there there was a pass down that mm-hmm. occurred when my grandmother had died or my great gran- grandmother had died rather she was holding the hand of my grandmother and before she passed away she said well i pass the powers on to you you know huh. f- f- fast forward to you know i i guess it's about a little over a year ago mm-hmm. when my grandmother had died she held my mom's hand is that the same thing is that the same thing does your mom feel like she has yeah powers of sorts yeah yeah what 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 does she say that they are it would it would be a lot of like psychic empathetic um Uh it'd be a lot of things like that like yeah not necessarily channeling but Uh essentially being does she work on it or is it just that she's sensitive yeah no okay it's similar to my mom Mm -hmm. yeah my mom doesn't like talk about it that much but she she will say she get my mom gets gut feelings about things and they always work out and she, so she basically will say that like she just is always right but she really is like a very quick example is my um, my dad uh, has had cancer for most of my life uh, or half my life uh, but his cancer mimics the same um, symptoms as Lou Gehrig's disease basically oh wow. And so when I was like 14 or something, they told him he had Lou Gehrig's disease and that he was going to die. And my mom was obviously in the room with him and they said this. And she literally looked at the guy and she goes, you're wrong. She looked at the doctor and she's like, you're wrong. He's not dying. That's not what he has. And I know it. Turns out she was right. They went to a a few other doctors uh, until they figured out he had a very, very rare form of cancer. That Had she not had that feeling and said like, nope, you're wrong. He, he would have died because they would have just let the cancer would have yeah. so that in his cancer is treatable he just gets chemo twice a year and you know he's fine totally fine but had she not had that gut instinct she literally knew she goes it didn't even phase me she goes i knew he was wrong wow. yeah it's amazing i mean it's it's you know i think that pinpoints to why ancient traditions mm-hmm. and a lot of other religions will incorporate things like that into medicine mm-hmm. right like medicine they're starting to acknowledge that nowadays, own. though. They're, they're yeah. yeah, they're starting to acknowledge that they're and they've had they've had like proven studies of this kind of thing. Actually, I'm trying to think of the, um, trying to think if someone was telling me this recently. It was like a someone very credible that they 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 did some studies recently. It was almost like energy healing was like uh, and and thought and things were like healing people more so than the actual. Yeah, they did a study on rats. That's what it was. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if I mean, there's studies out there that 
things like placebo effects work mm-hmm. alone. So if you're talking about something that's seemingly so much more charged mm-hmm. as energy healing and things like this, um, then why not? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why wouldn't they work in that way? Yeah. Um, it's the same way, like, for whatever reason, stones are cool, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you do anything with, like, crystals and stones, but they do seemingly carry something physiologically to them. That uh-huh. there's. You believe in that? I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, no, they, I mean, people <laughs> I, do. I, I think mean, it's cool, but you know? I think I, I, I do believe it can be a pl- placebo thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that are into it and I have some, but I think it's the, the, the weight you put in it, the energy you put into it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think that's with a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, to tell you a, a quick story when I was on my last leg of the last Euphemet recording sessions, mm-hmm. I was on the road for about three weeks and I, I landed in New Orleans, a place Ooh. I'd never been before. Good place for that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Good place for Never paranormal. been there. Yeah. Wandering through the French Quarter, uh, g- extremely just l- jet lagged, um, mm-hmm. confused, a little bit just kind of fried out from the process. Because it it takes not a lot of not just a lot of like organizational and and creative energy, but mm-hmm. like seemingly if if spiritual energy is something, yeah, then it's it's a part of it. It's all wrapped totally. into it. So I'm I'm about to experience two types of energy that I've never dealt with before. Mm-hmm. One being voodoo, mm-hmm. right, and another being vampirism. So I'm standing in sort of the damp streets of New Orleans and the first place I go to, I don't go to, I don't try to find a health food store. Uh-huh. I uh, don't try to go get some rest. I find a witchcraft shop. Okay. And you know, the New Orleans is kind of lousy for them. The French Quarter, they're everywhere. Yeah. But I, 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 I sort of stumble into one and I go like, listen, I, I talked to the person working there like, like, I don't know what I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. But here's the situation. And do you think I should like, should I just get some stuff to like for some protection? You know, should I uh-huh. some th- something physical, something tangible? And and in, in in sort of my classic experience, a lot of that is well, she gave me that answer that I was expecting, which was, why don't you just go look around and if something speaks to you, yeah, then pick it up. That's what they say in crystal shops yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, and I tried to explain to her again, like, I, listen. I really am not feeling good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can even, I don't even know if I have the energy to try to connect with a rock yeah. at this point in my life. Can you just give me a grab bag of something? Yeah. So I did. I Help went me around. out here. Yeah, exactly. Help me out. So I went around and I did. I just, I, I, I tried to use whatever I had left in my tank to connect with a few different objects. And I, I picked up some very disparate pieces of, uh, of, of, um, sort of protection Mm -hmm. um things like a a crossed um set of coffin nails um what which i thought was uh, appropriate considering um vampirism right yeah um just in the classic sense maybe um if i needed to pull that out as a um classic defense mechanism i could i could do that but uh yeah there was there was sort of a smattering of items and you, you know, I, th- I think what it what it showed me is that whatever is going on with me and the show mm-hmm. is that it, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a problem dipping your toe into some of the stuff to uh-huh. see if you have a reaction to it mm-hmm. while also being 100 percent grounded at the same time. Yeah. And keeping like yourself uh, in the same reality what as everyone did you, else. What did you experience in the vampirism thing? What did you go? Did you interview some people? 
Yes. That one I don't know if I believe in. Well, here's the thing. Um, and what is it like? Here's the thing. It's real. Do they think they're vampires? They are vampires. What do not you mean? In the class, not in the classical fantasy sense. Okay. That they turn into bats or uh, any of those type of tropes. Are they immortal? Isn't they're not immortal either, um, but they certainly drink human blood. So if vampirism is main qualifier, I think, is uh-huh. is that. Is that they consume human blood for uh, some sort of physiological Why? reason. So for do example... They, do they need it or are they just... They believe they need it. Yeah. They Where do they, they get human blood? From donors. Yeah. Is this a real thing? It's a real thing, and it I happens everywhere. I went to New Orleans for uh, my friend's bachelor bachelorette party. We went on this like murder ghost tour thing, and there's a famous murderer there. That he was very rich, and he had a, a wine cellar, I guess. And when they figured out he was murdering a bunch of people or whatever, they found that m- the red wine was actually like bottles of human blood. Yeah. Jacques Saint Germain. Is that who it is? Yeah. Okay. He was draining people's blood. Yeah. And he was uh, maybe like five feet tall. And oh, they well. feel like he. That explains it. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> Napoleon complex. But there were, yeah, there were all sorts of reports of him having like sort of otherworldly powers um, and uh, essentially perhaps being some sort of a mortal being. But, so you know, that town, just every single corner y- is rich a, in, a, it's in so lore history. It's cool. Yeah. It's so eerie. Yeah, it's so in, creepy. But in, you're saying in ev- all over, there's people that. The drink yeah, blood. Yeah, all over in LA, I'm sure there's tons of vampires for sure. What uh, the they're, fuck? They're really? organized houses and councils of vampires all over the world. God, and especially are weird. every metro. <laughs> See, this one I have to say is weird. It's not just yeah. like, oh, I saw something. It's like you're drink. You're they're. How do they get? How do blood donors give it to them? Usually, it's people that are sort of interested in. It as a community. Here's the connection that I, I think I like to make. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of people involved in like BDSM, uh-huh. for example. There's a lot of, and I wouldn't qualify vampirism as something innately sort of, I don't want to fetishize it. Yeah. I don't think it's like completely sexualized in nature, although I think there's certain probably houses that that's the reason and or yeah, I'm sure. sort of people, that's why they're into it. But I think the mechanics of it do work similarly. Okay. I yeah, that, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, I don't think there's a lot of vampires out there like going out and stalking people. I don't think that it's an aggressive, I think it's consensual. Um, I, I think that they are organized in a fashion though mm-hmm. that they've developed this for a long time. So this isn't a new thing. Like there have been groups of vampires uh, living in the shadows of our society for a long time and only within the last couple of years and uh-huh. with help from my featured guest on that episode, Belfazar uh-huh. with help from him who actually establishes community based uh, charity programs through his vampire house. So they feed the homeless. They're uh, in the process of helping build a uh, shelter. So, you know, they've, he's helped like sort of shed a light uh-huh. on terms of this community even actually existing. But uh-huh. right now, Right now, probably blocks away from us right now. Uh-huh. There's probably a house. There's probably a group. And they're probably talking to donors right now. They're probably organizing different parties or what? get-togethers. Well, it's near Halloween. Is that why? Are you saying they do this like no, no, every no. day? Every day. And there's people consuming blood. Do they not have jobs? No, no, no. <laughs> they're, they walk among us. They're, what, do they, they look they different? I mean, do they dress? So here's the thing is like any community, there are people that very, they're in it for the fashion of it, mm-hmm. right? It's like okay. vampire yeah, couture yeah. or whatever. 
so they're into it to have long hair yeah and attach fangs uh-huh. um and sometimes oh, wear victorian clothing yeah. and then other people like like czar for example you know he has the long pulled back hair and everything else but he doesn't have fangs he was wearing like a justice league t-shirt they are uh as normal as one could be i suppose and so i i think it ranges there's uh-huh. people in it for much different reasons yeah and just like any sort of you know essentially uh, from talking with balthazar I imagined a day where vampires will actually be looked at as a marginalized community. You know what? I, I could see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll watch like Blade 20 years stuff. from now uh-huh. and be like, what the fuck? Like, we can't. This is horrible. This is. Like <laughs> oh, my God. They're <laughs> bullying them. Yeah, this is yeah. bad. Like, look at them just destroy and slay all these things. That is crazy. Yeah. When you say they're in a house, like, do you think that you're saying do they all live together? Or? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. It's. um. It's essentially what houses are just sort of what their organizations are called. Uh But there are houses that are literally houses as well. Um, For example, Balthazar, he he does have members, I think, that that also lives with him. Uh, His house is called the House of Mystic Echoes. Uh And so most houses do attribute some sort of um, kind of cool name to uh-huh. them that's a cool name yeah how some mystic echoes yeah, it's is really cool. cool yeah um, it's a good band name yeah exactly yeah it really is um it, we own that now so don't take it oh anybody. yeah yeah we do yeah, yeah. we just said band. it we said that's it yeah mm-hmm. um yeah that's crazy what okay what is the besides your using an apparition what is the craziest story or the craziest experience you've had doing your podcast and if you ever, well, you probably don't want to say, but if you ever met someone that you've interviewed where that you were like, this person is actually just really freaking weird. I mean, for you, for the second question there, I can't really name names, right? <laughs> yeah, but I figured. at the same level, there, there's like always shades of that. Mm-hmm. And I think those folks sometimes have maybe, they just have both feet in, uh-huh. right? Like they have signed, sealed, like this is me. Yeah. I think if, if anyone wants to go and listen to you from it right now, I think the audience can decide maybe Mm -hmm. like who they think maybe has that, but it wouldn't be my place. And I think it would be against sort of the spirit of the show for me to sort of um, give any judgment towards that. Yeah. But it's certainly important to recognize at Mm -hmm. the same time. Because it's, you know, it's it's a choice. It's well, a lifestyle choice. The one episode I did listen to, I mean, I've listened to um, bits and pieces of it, but I did listen to the full episode of the guy that worked in the Kentucky prison. <coughs> and while he was, like, fairly normal, when he was describing his childhood and he that, that he assumed that people thought he would grow up to be, like, a serial killer, I'm like, that's just a weird thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, well... You know, listen, in the area of Western Kentucky that we were in, mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about a place that's still in the past. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, g- good luck, like, getting anything other than Folgers Coffee. Yeah. Right? Um, that's just to, just, to, just to put a picture in your head of, of sort of where that community is. I think that it's very conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you're you're living on land that confederate soldiers and uh the union 
had bled all over. Yeah. And that the so trail, of, trail so of tears so went through. Haunted. And yeah, I mean, it's just steeped in lore. And, you know, we have the privilege being over here on the West Coast, mm-hmm. growing up in Oregon as a couple of Oregon mm-hmm. Coast kids, of not having to think about things like the Civil War every day. Yeah. And not having to think about, like, the oppression of people mm-hmm. every day. We're really privileged in that regard. Those people live with it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a part of their lore. It's a part of their story. Yeah. It's a part of their everyday lives. Totally. And so in that way, it, the the view on what how people are supposed to act mm-hmm. is very regimented. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they put you in a box. Mm-hmm. These, you know, it, these are a lot of people that watch like NBC in the middle of the week kind of thing mm-hmm. and are watching America. America's got... I don't know. I don't know who. Yeah. That, that those are two. That's what that's for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you know, for for him, I I think once you start, once you're kind of the weird kid, mm-hmm. right? Like quote unquote weird kid in the library, reading Hans Holzer books all yeah. day about ghost sightings. You know, you're gonna have that contingent that's like, why aren't you playing football, kid? Yeah, you that's know? true. Get that's out true. there. Yeah. Like, what are you, weird? Yeah. You know? Like, you just, you're going to murder my sister? Yeah, like, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, So, and, and he's a he's a f- funny guy. But I think, you're, I think you're right to point out that you're, you, you've put a good example of why I was scared to talk about my sighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There you go. You know? Because I was like, that was weird that he said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that's. Yeah, but you didn't say that people would think you would grow up to be a serial killer. No, no, no. I mean, it's a little different. You just saw <laughs> it something. Is, it is a little, a little different. different. It is a little different. But yeah, he he was also a uh, he was a very funny. funny yeah, no, guy. he was he was great. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Yeah, it just it's you you must just you have to be thinking sometimes through these interviews like what is happening. Well, the amount of strange. Let's just say it this way: like I've been in cars with strangers going into the middle of the woods yeah and hoping Unsafe. that at the other end is something paranormal because the alternative and it's just is you doing this most of the time yeah oh on occasion i'll have a uh, sort of a sidekick or um that's kind of a demeaning <laughs> so, <laughs> title yeah, well. but uh, you know occasionally i'll have someone else uh, come with me uh, assistant producer chelsea um, they're, they're really awesome so um, what is the craziest experience craziest guest situation you've been in since you've been doing this podcast besides you seeing your well so at the very start of this process i went to and this isn't the craziest but i think it's the one that still reminds me of like oh yeah this is a real thing Mm -hmm. i realized that what i was doing i I really got myself into something Mm -hmm. when i was at the base of a red rock mountain in sedona arizona in the middle of the summer cool uh, always wanted to go there about to attempt to climb up it with a man that had um, a belief that a vortex would open at a certain synchronized time okay and realizing that I don't I don't climb anything right? yeah I climb in and out of bed <laughs> and onto the treadmill <laughs> sometimes yeah me too um, and that I was at certain parts going to be asked to free climb certain sections of of this this smooth red Mm. mountain like surface so i was about halfway up that thing feeling like complete hell and realizing that like looking down you know looking down so far at the speckles that were cars and people and going what the hell am i doing up here? yeah what are you doing (laughs) you were free climbing like with no training for real no like no training and it was only a couple parts 
you know, and I, I, I was there interviewing Peter Gersten. Mm-hmm. He at one point in time was called the UFO lawyer. Okay. And that's because he was the first attorney to ever file and actually sue the federal government over a FOIA request for UFO information. After a what? A f- uh, freedom of information. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Act information. And so essentially he, he was on the ground level of the entire um, UFO community going after that classified information from the government. Mm-hmm. And so in the 70s, the 80s, he was a really monumental figure in that field. And he gave it some sort of legitim- legitimacy in the way because he was actual he was a, a, a criminal lawyer, uh-huh. right? So people are like, oh, okay, yeah, he's, he's, he's good as a doctor or whatever. Like, okay, like this is a real thing, you know. He went to school for this. So essentially, over the, the course of time, though, Peter had start to observe and recognize certain synchronicities that were happening in his mm-hmm. life. And he started to garner this belief that perhaps that we live in assimilation. Mm-hmm. Things were occurring in his life that were pointing him in this direction. He followed these synchronicities. He mm-hmm. learned about this process. And it led him to Sedona, Arizona, essentially. In Sedona, Arizona, certain synchronicities kept continuing and leading him mm-hmm. to Bell Rock. And Bell Rock, the classical mystical sense, is the masculine energy of Sedona. Okay. Um, there's other rocks that represent the feminine energy, etc. So going to such a charged place, Sedona is like being on a different planet anyway. Yeah. Um, Talk about crystal shops. Yeah. Right? Um, talk about people having the clearest eyes that you could ever imagine in your life just staring a hole into you. Why? Uh, you are know, just extra healthy? You know, no, no, no. These are like just crist- crystallized in the sense that, you know, these folks are on a different dimension. Uh-huh. Right? Some of them. They've like completely bought into whatever it is yeah. and are on the other side of it. Like... You know, hey, like, did you, did you, like, did you watch Daredevil on Netflix? Or like, did you watch like, like, what? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, they're just don't like, do that? yeah, just they're they're out there. Okay. Right? Um, so did this guy find a vortex? He didn't. But it's because he feels like he failed a mission. Is why he hasn't. So let me explain. <laughs> okay. These synchronicities led to this belief that this vortex would open for him at the top of Bell Rock if he were to accomplish a certain number of individuals that he'd take to the top. So his mission in this game that he was a part of... So weird. ...based off these synchronicities and information that Uh he got through numerology and things like this, uh, told him, hey, get this certain amount of people to the top of Bell Rock, take Mm -hmm. them up there, uh, and on this specific date, into 2012, essentially, um, this this portal will open at the uh-huh. top. The energy will be there. It'll have enough energy to open. where did he open. get this from? Just from the, the, the things aligning? But, like, it sounds like it's kind so of in his head, no? So here, here's the thing about... Here's the thing about synchronicities. Mm-hmm. And m- maybe possibly the universe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting deep. Yeah, yeah. We're solving everything Yeah, now. we're solving everything. Um, my friend John Tenney... He is a uh, he's 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 kind of like a big deal in the the ghost investigation community. Uh-huh. He, a lot of young researchers will come to him and ask him for advice. Okay. And a lot of them will come to him, especially when they're kind of spinning out on some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. When 
the investigations, when the anecdotal evidence, when the experiences start stacking up to where you don't know what you believe anymore at all. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm standing on the edge of a cliff here. Yeah. Help me find some balance. Yeah. And he'll say, listen, it's kind of like a game, perhaps. It's the universe, when you see these synchronicities, when you have these experiences, Mm -hmm. it's saying, hey, you want to come and play? And you go, okay, cool. And you engage. And you go down the rabbit hole again. Uh And you don't find anything. But you're left for more questions. And then something else happens. Uh And again, it's like, it's the universe. Yeah. Come back. Come play. Uh And it'll keep doing that. Okay. And keep doing that. And keep doing that. And lead you to some very interesting places. And that's if you are engaging with the phenomenon Mm -hmm. sometimes that phenomenon is synchronicity sometimes that's synchronistic number patterns Mm -hmm. sometimes that's picking up certain phrases sometimes that's recognizing like oh hey this this played when i was just on the radio Mm -hmm. when i just talked about it and this song lyric means something and i should track that down Mm -hmm. and the universe goes oh (laughs) yeah i got you really like come on let's go and uh, so as long as you you stay if as long as you focus on it it just keeps going keeps going yeah and going and going and going and that's why you see which could also be considered crazy i mean mean? who right who's to say maybe you know is that is you know, could that be a symptom of that? For mm-hmm. sure. Again, like, I think that is, that's like based in a shame philosophy as well, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, who's to say? Uh, yeah. When you're, when, I guess you're just when you're the same person and you yeah. have these experiences. Just because right? you're interested in something and you, you, you take it further and research it more, mm-hmm. I guess you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would challenge most people. Most people are so numb, maybe. So maybe maybe it's not crazy. Maybe most people are just so numb to, to things that they just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a certain like sort of. We've been dictated sort of like what reality is. Uh-huh. Upon our popular consciousness, mm-hmm. our like sort of shared narrative. And we, we're, we're, most people are very happy to live in that space. Mm-hmm. Other people are not because mm-hmm. it, it lacks sort of a connection and a greater meaning sometimes. And so religion organized religion things like this spirituality Mm -hmm. new thought um new age practices and mysticism these are all techniques these Mm -hmm. are all techniques to like access something greater yeah and a lot of that does involve synchronicity a Uh lot of that does involve divine intervention things Uh like this that by under their name is the same thing yeah it's all like that tap yeah and and being led down something or Mm -hmm. being told something or you know, there, there being some sort of uh, purpose or drive. So that's where Peter was at in his life. Uh-huh. You know, he found this new religion, essentially. He found this new game that he felt like he was in. And that did was... Did he have a social life? He did, yeah. And he has a family. And really? He's close to, yeah, he's close with his family. Um, he's got, like, older daughters, you know, and they, you know, they love him. They have a great time. That's so interesting. Going on vacation, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, okay. So he has a life, but but that being said, his his his... Most of his working life was consumed by this. He was a retired guy. Yeah. He essentially put his couch up online for couchsurfers.com, I think is what it's called. Uh-huh. Which I find to be so strange. It is pretty... It, I mean, it's it's similar to Airbnb, I guess. Yeah. Like a proto-Airbnb. Yeah. You know, maybe? It's, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't... I, I've I heard of it. it. I know what it is, but yeah. <laughs> There's no way I would invite someone into my house to sleep on my couch. Yeah, it's pretty strange. Yeah. Unless you know him, right? Yeah. It's like... 
Yeah, it's pretty weird. But he used that as a technique to get people up the mountain with him. It was That's like, hey, you can stay. Also but like, so listen, weird. You got you to gotta go up in the mountain. That's weird. You know what I mean? You know, people people loved it. You know, people, people, those are, that's something that usually you'd have to hire a tour guide for anyway. Yeah. Right? So that's going to cost you 50 bucks. This guy, yeah. whoa, hey, we can stay at his couch. And also, you'll look for a vortex. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, when you're talking about like sort of, um, did he tell them they were looking for a vortex or did he just say like, we hike? Oh, I'm sure. No, okay. he would, he would tell them okay. whether it was before or after they were halfway up the mountain. Yeah. Not so sure, but <laughs> yeah, well, you knew and you did it. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, but again, like, you know, it, halfway up the mountain, realizing what I was doing. Yeah. And that like, okay, I tapped out at a certain point. I did not get to the top. Yeah. Which was a part of the stipulation of me getting the interview with him. I, uh, my assistant producer, Chelsea, uh, they came with me and finished the trip, essentially. Okay. I, I said like, okay, hey, this is how the H4N works. Like, mm-hmm. just push this button get some tape yeah. up on top of the mountain and Peter was fine with that. He understood, but uh, just to make sure, you know, I'm not a complete dweeb or wimp, you know, I, I we're talking about I, I, 20 feet. I wouldn't do it. So I don't think you're on a wimp. each side yeah. where you had to do the, like the crab yeah. thing. Like the, no, I'm not, yeah, it's not mission impossible. It's not, it's not worth it. Really. <laughs> right. It's really just not worth Warner it. Warner brothers is not paying for yeah. this thing. Like, uh, so, you know, but you're but you're looking at an experience where Peter, I think, unequivocally is two feet in, mm-hmm. and I don't think that makes him totally crazy necessarily. But I think that it is an example of someone who I'm is bored, maybe all you're the just way bored into by it. life that you have to have like a thing like that. I mean, I don't I don't know if I don't know if bored would be the the phrase. I think that they had found a purpose. Okay. You know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like almost don't have purpose. So yeah. And for someone like Peter, who he's he's doing a positive thing yeah. with that purpose. Wh- whatever. What How is he doing it, a positive thing? He's just climbing up a mountain. Uh, he's, well, he's essentially kidnapping people off of his couch and <laughs> climbing up a mountain. <laughs> no, I mean he's providing a really good service. You know what I mean? I think I think that the act alone of helping people safely get up the mountain, okay, uh, and allowing them to experience sort of the beauty of that environment, okay, while also like doing it. So a he's a tour guide, essentially. non-judgmental way, you know, and taking photos of him and connecting with him and being helpful. And he's also a really a sweet, yeah. sweet guy and very giving of his time. I'm sure he's very nice. Yeah, and so he's, yeah, he he it's is just doing fascinating. Yeah, so he's not kidnapping him necessarily, but yeah, it sounds <laughs> maybe like emotionally. It. Well, I think we will wrap up on that, but I really enjoyed this. I want you to tell people where they can find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, all that. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at It's Jim Perry, and you can find the show at www.euphemet.com. How you spell that is E-U-P-H-O-M as in money, (laughs) E-T. dot com and uh, of course subscribe rate and review on itunes um, on apple podcasts so that we can kind of get up in the charts on that and that always helps with sponsorships and everything else so thank you so um, much what episode would you recommend people listen to first what's your favorite one uh the one that we have posted this week Uh on halloween week is our episode with balthazar the the voodoo Uh priestess uh, priest uh vampire 
that sounds uh, fascinating leader so okay. I, w- I would recommend that and then um i would recommend just going to episode number one and just cruising on through because it's right. a journey and i think it's a, it's a, it's a, unique it's a really People well like produced it. podcast it's yeah, very it's it's cool to listen to yeah thanks so much for yeah. having me all right thank so. you yeah that's awesome thanks